Yo, hey, before we get into this episode, I wanted to ask a small favor. I'd like you to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give the podcast a rating. If you think it's awesome, give us a five and leave a review. If you think it sucks, give us a one. We don't care. If you listen to the podcast on another platform and can figure out a way how to give us a rating and review, I would love for you to do that. The other thing that I would ask and love for you to do is when you're listening to the podcast, if you hear something that you like or uh, it's inspirational, would you do me a favor and screenshot it? And if you're comfortable, post it on your favorite social media platform, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and let people know what you like about it. This is one way that um, we're able to share the podcast and help people discover that this is the greatest podcast in the world. I love you. On to the next. Yo fam, what up? Today, I'm going to talk to you about perfectionism. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about perfectionism and how neither one of us realized that that applied to us. In other words, when I think of a perfectionist, I think of someone that is neat and tidy, a box checker, detailed, um, over the top, over the top, clean house, high performer. And when I judge it based on that definition, I exclude myself. I basically go, well, that's not me. I'm laid back. I'm an underachiever. I basically am real loosey goosey about stuff. I'm messy, etc. But one of the things in a, in a book I read, the big red book, um, helped me clarify one of the uh, struggles and challenges of perfectionism, call it a defect, a shortcoming, etc. But what was interesting is when I sat down this morning to journal, I have a tendency, sometimes I read, I always read some recovery literature or whatever, but what I like to do a lot of times is I just flip through the book and just open it and I uh, think that maybe that's what I meant to read for that morning. But it's funny because when I open the book, I open to a story about perfectionism. And here's the story. It said, it says perfectionism. It, uh, it did happen to me. The story says, when I heard that perfectionism was a pattern of thinking, I didn't think it fit for me. I was never overly neat. I performed, I performed below my potential. I didn't think I was judgmental of others. I thought a perfectionist was someone who never made a mistake or who was obsessively clean. In this program, which is what this book is is in, I began to realize that I was filled with perfectionism and an inner critic. I could hear my father's critical voice. Now, I'm not quite there yet for me. I do have a critical voice. I'm assuming maybe some variation came from my family, but it doesn't necessarily remind me of like my mother or father. I don't, I'm sure they were inner critical. Maybe I'm being a little sensitive, but, um, but anyway, so this was for him. He heard his father's critical voice. It would be in my head or something uh, or in something I would say, there was a lack of self-acceptance in almost every sentence I said, nothing I did or thought was good enough. 
I could always find something wrong with what I had done at work or something I had said. Until I found this program, I never questioned my judgmentalness of myself or others. I just thought this was how life was. You know what's what's interesting about this is because th- this is me. This is my form of perfectionism. I, um, you know, I'm definitely not overly overly neat. I make sure that I set really really low expectations for for people, basically, so they don't expect anything of me. And then I sh- do my best to perform above average, so they are present uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, also, I, although I, I can make it look as if I'm really risky uh, and I can burn the boats and I'll try anything, the truth is, is I really don't. I don't want to shoot for the stars and, and uh, partly because I'm too insecure, I'm indecisive, I'm too busy trying to be you and it makes it very difficult to shoot for the stars when I'm trying to pretend to be you because then it doesn't feel right and then I quit. Um, I have a big time inner critic within myself. I talk smack to myself saying, you know, just the same, you're not good enough, you're never going to make it, what an idiot, etc. And this is just a, these are knee-jerk um, these are knee-jerk things that I think to myself, which means I say them to myself. Um, I say, uh, you know, F me. I curse, but I say F me all the time, right? Something, I drop something, I forget something, I, you know, something falls off a shelf and I go F me. And in a lot of ways, I can dress that up and, and sound kind of funny, this self-deprecating type deal. But w- w- with regards to this, it's true. I talk a lot of smack to myself. Uh, this guy says, I had a lack of self-acceptance in almost every sentence I said, which means um, I shared recently that Wayne Dyer quoted, he said, when you change what you when you change what you look at, what you see changes. I mess this up every time. When I and what it reminds me of is is when I have a way of being that everything is scarce, right? I'm never going to make it. I have a negative lean. I will you know, I do a thing where I build you up, but I put me down. Um, when I look at life from that perspective, everything is has a skew of, of inner critic, has a skew of negativity, has a skew of, you know, even when things are going my way, I make up some excuse as to why they're, they're not or um, why the, the other shoe's about to drop. So I can't actually enjoy um, the gratitude of the moment. Uh, my wife, uh, Sarah had actually read a quote out of the Brene Brown book and she called it foreboding joy, which is the, um, w- which is this idea that we have this strike of joy and gratitude. For example, I'm so grateful for my profession. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for where I'm at um, in life. And then shortly after and behind that comes, but it's not going to last. But what if my family died? But what if this all goes away? That's a foreboding joy, not, not having the ability to truly experience the joy and satisfaction in life that we're seeking. Um, you know, 
found out that something was uh I always think that I did something wrong. I always look at, even when I finish something or do something well, I always want to look at why it was wrong or not good enough, etc. But here is one thing. Number one, I want to inspire some identification for you on this conversation. For those people that don't think that they're a perfectionist, I want you to think that there are multiple views of perfection. That's number one. But I made some notes at the bottom of this book, and it said, This is a perfect example of I didn't know that I didn't know. Often when we're talking to people, that's when we're trying to help someone see something. Often it's one of the reasons why it's so hard is, number one, I'm attaching my self-worth to if I can change your mind. That's number one. I'm attaching my self-worth and my effectiveness and what I believe in life to if I can get other people to agree with me. That's one thing. But on the flip side, even if I'm right-sized in my intention, in other words, I'm simply being of value and communicating something that I think is helpful, I'm also trying to point out something to someone that they don't know that they don't know. They don't even know it applies. They don't even know that the way that they're living is a bit dysfunctional or abnormal. And so this is a perfect example of until I read this and until I was in circles and support groups where people would talk about these deep vulnerable things like insecurity and self-doubt and self-judgment and the inner critic, I did not know that I was a perfectionist. I was I was pointing my finger at all the quote-unquote perfectionists, like my wife, who is a self-proclaimed perfectionist and struggles tremendously in a lot of ways around perfectionism, I would point the finger at my wife, put her down, make me feel better because of I, I didn't suffer in the way that she suffered. Uh, I'd be like, what's, you know, she'd get all worked up about a video or a presentation, whatever, and she'd prepare, prepare, prepare. And on one hand, I was very, um, uh, I admired that a lot in her. She prepares really well. She's very, very strategic. But the anxiety that comes that I, that I see that comes out of that preparation, I always go, I I don't know why you're getting so worried about it. You're going to do great. You always do great. It's, you're going to crush. What's the point? You know, and and my perfectionism, the way it shows up is I just don't prepare. My preparation is not preparing at all. And then I get the anxiety buildup right before it happens. I love that pit thing in my stomach that makes me feel like I'm going to, you know, eat crap or, you know, I'm just overly fearful. I do whatever. I give the presentation. I do the talk or whatever. It typically goes well or I screw some stuff up. And then I go, after it's all said and done, I go, you see, it all went fine. It all went fine. And then I kind of beat myself up a bit. And then I say, well, I should have prepared more. But those are two perfect examples of how perfectionism and inner critic and self-judgment can affect two different people um, in different ways that are suffering from the same deep down thing, which is perfectionism is a symptom of a greater issue, which is low self-esteem, low self-work, 
worth inner critic not feeling good enough but the other part i read about this and i should and i i wanted to point out is not only is this a perfect example of realizing that you didn't know something that you didn't know that how else would you figure out that the way that you think feel and acted and act is abnormal how else would you figure out that the way that you live and view life, no matter what the people see from the outside, how would you know that it's abnormal if you didn't, A, open yourself up to vulnerability? In other words, say, you know what? Maybe I don't know. I, I feel this way. What do you guys feel? Right? Or put yourself in circles in which people talk like that, like support groups. I just am so biased towards support groups and, and, and inner circle type groups, whether they're free or paid. The value that is brought, the value of a group and how fast and deep you're able to go, that when I hear you share something vulnerable, when I hear you share something that you're insecure about in your relationship or in your profession, when I have this idea that only I struggle and you don't, how else am I going to know? How else am I going to know that you have struggles too? And then when you share that, and maybe you share something like perfectionism, a new definition of perfectionism that I didn't even know exists, and now I go, you know what? Holy crap, I'm a perfectionist, didn't know it, and now I can do some change, some changing. How in the hell are you supposed to figure it out if you never open yourself up to learn and be around this? So that's what I've been thinking about for the day. Um, my goal is to inspire you to to uh, get in with a counselor, a coach, a therapist, join a support group, start going to some of these, um, start interacting in some of these circles that are going to cause you to um, look behind the curtain, learn how to be vulnerable so you can actually get that thing that you dream about when the fear is gone, when the insecurity is gone, and when you say, man, I wish I could do this, or man, I miss, m wish my life was this way, or, you know, when is it going to get easier? This is where the answers to those questions are. It's in the seeking and the digging. And unfortunately, most people can't do it on their own. You know why I know that? Because if you could do it on your own and you knew what to do, or even when you knew what to do, you could actually implement it, you would have freaking already done it. You wouldn't be struggling. You wouldn't be scared. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast asking, why can't I do that? So seek, my friends. I love you. Hop. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And just so you know, on Facebook, we have a uh, high cost of anonymity podcast Facebook community. It's an open group. And the purpose of that community is to normalize mental health and addiction and to make counseling, therapy, support groups like 12 step support or mental health support groups as common as hiring a personal trainer or going to a yoga class. This is how we move the, the conversation forward and create a movement to shatter the stigma behind mental health and addiction. So if you're on Facebook, check us out, join the community. It's called the High Cost of Anonymity uh, Podcast Facebook group. Love you.